grandma, whatever it is, mama, dada. I was given an illustration and I said, in about a two-week period, Jade had an accident. She's our uncoordinated young individual in our family. And uh, she gets that from her mom, I guess. I don't know. I'm pretty coordinated. I don't know. Uh, but a couple weeks ago, she went down the big hill by the trash can, fell at the bottom of the hill, scraped her face and her knee and everything. And I gave that illustration. But two weeks ago, about two weeks ago, she had another accident in the parking lot. And she fell. And it wasn't as bad, but she was still crying. And mom was there. And mom picked her up. And what words did she say? Dada. I need daddy. Now, why would she call out daddy? She called out daddy because daddy was strong. He was going to be able to scoop her up, love on her, wipe her tears away, wipe out the gravel in her nose. He was going to be the one that was going to help her there. And yet when we go through trials, who's the first person we call out? Is it daddy? Is it our heavenly father, daddy? Because that is what the Bible is saying. He is the preeminence in our life. He is the one who we must call out to. I love how it refers to the position here. Look at God's position in verse 2. It says that when the mountains are carried away into the seas and the water swells, when everything seems like it's going out of control, we go back to that first verse, second verse, I will not fear. And I wrote this down in my notes because this is hard for me. What is our response? When bad things happen, when things are out of control, when the world is spinning and nothing seems like it's going right, what is your response? And how are you going to respond? When troubles come, will you fear? Or are you going to have like James Dermar's button says, God's got this. Are you going to have that type of faith where you're going to say, I will not fear. I will trust in the one who has created everything. And so as our life goes through, we must say and we must look and we must ask ourselves, where is God in our life? Is he first? And if he's not first, then he's going to be second, third, fourth, or fifth. And if he's second, third, fourth, and fifth, then your life is not set up right. And a lot of times in our life, we want to put our job, we want to put our family, we want to put everything else in front of God. And God says, no, I don't want anything else in front of me. And that's hard as a dad and a mom, because how many times do I want to put Brody and Jade above sort of what I want or what God wants? Because they're my kid, I love them. But God says, even in that moment, we must love him more than anything else. And so God is preeminent in the first three verses. Verses four through seven, we go to the second phrase, God's presence. I did alliterate this morning to help you out. God's presence, verses four through seven, starts out by referring to a river. And it begins to talk about how a river, and you can think of the aspects of a river. This past Wednesday night, Pastor Mitch spoke on uh, just a little bit of Psalms 23. And said how that the shepherd that we, we have, that we won't want anything, leads us by the still waters. I'm sure some people in here have been whitewater rafting before. Those waters aren't still waters, right? They're pretty violent. There's the white peaks everywhere, and it's hard, and it's rough. Those are sometimes the rivers that we're by.
that I can talk loud. Uh, when we get to that point and we think of that river, it can be violent and dangerous at times. So God's not saying just because he's preeminent that the waters are going to be calm all the time. But it's because he's preeminent and because he's in the presence and we're in his presence, those waters can calm down. And those waters can cease. And when God steps into those situations, he brings up out a peace that only he can bring. And that only he is allowed to bring. And it's beyond our understanding. And so when we think of this river, we think of that. It says here, and it goes on to say that God will help her. In verse 5, it says God is in the midst of her. She will not be moved. God will help her in the early dawn. Now, as I begin thinking of this, Begin thinking of his presence with us. It says that he's physically there helping them. He is there to help us. He brings about a calm when we don't think there is an ability to have calmness. You ever been in a situation and you think, man, there is no way that there can be calmness in this situation. I've got a dysfunctional family. It's probably the easiest way to say that. And when my family gets together, it's very dysfunctional. My wife's side and my side. <laughs> and so we, we, we are sort of the, in the middle of all that craziness. And we try to do family vacations and, and we try to do Christmases and stuff together. And when all five of my siblings together and all 10 grandkids are, get, are together and then my mom and my dad and his stepmom and, and their grandkids and my mom and her stephusband or my stephusband, her husband, uh, all, it's crazy, I know. When we all get together, it can seem like it's crazy. And there's no way to bring calmness in those situations. And a lot of times in our life, we see those things. And we see crazy things happen. And we see the unrest in our life or our family's life. And we say, how can there ever be calmness? And God says, when he is present, he calms the storm. The last thing it speaks of in these, in these three verses is it speaks of when the heathen rage. We think of right now. The heathen are raging. Okay, the riots are going on. The crazy things are going on. And it says even when those things are happening, it says he utters his voice and the earth melts. When he utters his voice because he's there, everything goes away. And everything has to listen to him. And in the end, his voice is completely in control. When we think it's not in control, when we think there's no control whatsoever, we must understand that God's presence brings control. So I wrote this down in your notes. The same God that was in those three situations is with us today. He's beside us and he's before us. When we don't understand and there's times where we don't understand. Two of our college graduates, they're about to, they're engaged, Leah and Risa, and they're about to close a chapter of college and open up a chapter of marriage and workplace. I remember I was, I was writing, I write notes in all the front of the Bibles when I give them to them. And it brought me back to nine years ago when I graduated college and two weeks later, I got married and three weeks later, we moved to Idaho. And we thought that love was going to pay the bills. <laughs> and oh, how we were wrong. 
And we went up there and we had just enough money to pay our rent for the first month. And we looked at each other and we had like $10 in our account. And we're like, wow, we don't get paid for that of the month. This is going to be great. The Lord's just going to provide and it's going to be great. And we just love each other. So everything's going to be great. And it come to find out that love doesn't pay bills. When the renter landlord comes to you, you say, well, we just love each other. Okay, well, we need money. And so we must understand when things don't seem the way we think it should seem, God is still in control. And he is there to give us his presence to calm us. And the third thing, I'm sure you could figure out this if you're following along, if you're tracking with me, verses 8 through 11 is God's peace. We end this amazing psalm with the peace of God. It says that when we behold the works of the Lord, when we begin to reflect and we begin to look at these things, when we look and reflect at his goodness in your life, when we do these things, Verse 8 says, come and see the works of the Lord. Man, we reflect and we think about his goodness. It should drive us to go and tell other people. It should drive us to go out and to tell everyone that we can think of. Man, look at how God was this last week. Look at how we've been praying for Dylan and he's been having a hard time. And now all of a sudden things are getting better with him. We've been praying for this family. We've been praying for that. And all of a sudden when good things happen, we should want to share and tell. We should want to reflect of those things. When is the last time you look back and reflected on God's goodness? When's the last time you look back and you begin to thank God for your kids and your grandkids and the health that you have and the home and the land that he's provided us and, and everything that's good in your life and you begin to just reflect on his goodness? Because when we do that, we get our mind off of us and we get our mind on him. And we begin to reflect and look back at his peace. And even though going through those circumstances, it maybe wasn't the greatest, but we're able to look back and we're able to say, wow, he was in that situation. And God was in that situation. I love some of the action words that he uses in verses 9 through 10. It says that he makes. And it says that he breaks. And it says that he cuts and he burns. And when we see those words, we see that he's still on his throne. We see that he's still got his hand in our life. As I was thinking through that, I began to think of a farmer. How many farmers do we have in here that even have a garden? Just a simple garden, okay? A couple of people thought I'd have more hands than that, but it's okay. Uh, maybe you've worked with dirt before. Maybe you've had a shovel and you've used that, so you maybe can relate a little bit. Uh, but you have a garden and you go out in that garden and you begin to till that garden. And you begin to get those rocks out of that garden and it's not an easy task. You're probably gonna break a sweat every once in a while. You're gonna maybe get some calluses on your hand. But there's some work put into that. And then you may look at your plant after a couple of weeks and you may see a plant that's in the shade. And you may have to dig that plant up and move it somewhere where it's going to get light so it can actually grow. Now, is, it gonna be, is that plant going to be happy that you're doing that at that moment? No. It's like, dude, why are you? I've got good ground here. I've got good water. But you're doing that for the best of the plant. Because you want that plant to succeed. And so sometimes it takes a lot of work. You're going to have to break some things. You're going to have to cut some things. You're going to have to burn some things. You may have some weeds growing up that you have to burn in your garden in order for that garden to succeed. 
And God says here in our life, there are times where he must break, burn, cut, and make some things in our life in order for us to have peace. Because God cares about our future. He cares about our life. And he's on the throne and he's working today. The last thing I want to look at is in verse 10. And I'll be done. Verse 10 says this. It gives a twin command to not panic. It says this. Be still. Stop and pay attention to the peace that I'm going to bring in your life. Stop being anxious And this was the hardest for me to write down. Stop trying to figure things out. You can ask my wife. I'm a fixer. I'm someone who likes to take things and figure out how to fix them. She'll come home from school and she'll say, this was wrong and this was bad today. And I had this parent mad at me. And all my gears are starting to turn. And I'll be thinking, well, you got to do this. And as soon as she's done, I'll say, well, you need to do this. And she's like, oh, 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 stop. I don't want you to fix it. I just want you to listen. I just want to vent. Okay? And I'm like, no, you can't just vent to me. i got to fix things once you tell me. Like, I want to go talk to this person, or I want to call this person. I'm that person. And God says here, be still. Man, it's hard. It's hard to stop and just wait on the God. It's hard because we're anxious people. We're people that are trying to figure things out. We're people that are trying to fix things. And God just says to be still. He then goes to the second part of this verse and he says, know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. When we sit down and we stop and we look in God's word and we begin to understand that he is God and that we fully comprehend that he is the God that is in our life that doesn't want us to worry, that doesn't want us to have fear, that doesn't want us to have doubt. All of a sudden, those things begin to fade away. Because we begin to know that he is God. And we begin to be still and we begin to know these things. God says that he wants us to know the peace through this verse. Because he wants us to know who he is. The same God that created the billions and billions and billions, in the words of Donald Trump, billions and billions of stars all over the galaxies. He created you. He formed you with a purpose, young people. He formed you with a plan. And when we begin to stop and we begin to think, what have you done for me? What what do you have designed me for? And you begin to ask God those questions. Because you've got his presence and because you've got his peace in your life, you're going to be able to fully focus on God. So how do we wrap this up? Where do we go from here? What I want you to do is I want you to think of these three main points. The preeminence, the presence, and the peace. And I want you to think in your life. We're not going to have an altar call. just want you to think about this. I'll pray at the end. I want you to think and examine your life today. Where is God's prominence in your life? Is he first in your life? Is he the person that is in your life that's directing the ship? He's the, the wind in your sails. He's the udder on your boat. He's the one that's leading you. Is he the preeminence in your life? If he is, then you will have the presence of God and ultimately you'll have that peace. Even when the things don't seem like it's peaceful. And I I gave this illustration. It just came to me this morning as I began thinking about it. Just two weeks ago, we we put Junior's body in the ground out here and Miss Shirley was out there at the graveside. And you've seen this before if you've been to funerals and Miss Shirley, who 58 years of marriage, walked up to that casket 
and just laid her body on the casket and just began to weep. And she was crying. Her husband of 58 years was gone. And I went to dinner that night with them at their house. And there was a piece about Miss Shirley at her house. She said, it's going to be okay, Pastor James. We know where he's at. I went over there a couple of days later. And I began talking with them. And, and this is what they said to me. They said that they remember that Junior would lay in his bed. And, and the girl said this. I remember walk, they said, I remember walking in on my dad praying and saying, God, when it's time for me to go, I want it to be quick. I don't want my, my family to suffer. I don't want my wife to have to go through me going through Alzheimer's. I don't want my daughters having to have to go through just a prolonged event. He said, I want it to be quick. And they looked at me and they said, James, this is exactly what dad would have wanted. And they had peace because God was there with them. Even when we don't think we're going to have peace, God's going to be there with us if he's preeminent. Now you may say, well, I think that I, he's preeminent in my life, but I don't ever have the peace or this, this presence that you're talking about. Maybe you're because you're thinking it and you're not actually fully living a preeminent life of God. And when we get to that point where we say, well, we don't have the presence and we, we haven't heard from God in, in months and years, well, maybe it's because you said that you think you're a Christian. You may be a Christian. I'm not doubting, I won't, don't want to doubt anyone's salvation. But maybe you're to the point where you've put other things in front of God and his presence and peace can't be with you. And we've got to get back to that place where we fall on our knees and we say, God, I need your presence in my life. I need your preeminence in my life. These last four weeks, it's been tough on me, church. It's been tough on, I've been getting before God and been thinking, God, how, what is going on? But yet, I know that God's working. I know that God's in control. And I'm going to trust that if I am still and I know God, that he's going to be there to give me that peace that I need. And so I want us to be thinking about those things. I want you to ask yourself, do you want the presence of God in your life? Church, do we want God's presence in our life? If so, we must humble ourselves. We must pray and we must get before God every moment of every second of every day. So I'm going to pray for us and you process this message however you see fit. Father, I pray that you would just help us today. As everyone across this room is praying, as this message has spoke to me now several times, as I've prepared it and now I've preached it twice, Lord, it's been tough on me. It's been tough for me to process these things. But Lord, I know this last verse, verse 10, has been a blessing to me to just be still and to know, just to be still and to trust you. And Lord, in the stillness of this place, if there's one that doesn't know you, if there's one that doesn't have that assurance of salvation, Lord, there's men around, there's deacons, there's the pastors here that they can come talk to. And I pray, Father, that you would have your will and way in this service. And I thank you for this message that you gave me. Lord, it's touched me if it hasn't touched anybody else. And I thank you for what you've done. And it's in your holy, precious name we pray. Amen. I think Mr. Anthony is going to dismiss us out row by row. And in the quietness of this time, just sort of reflect on the word of God.